Hey, welcome to Tangible Takeaways, episode 85. I'm Jackson. Today, I'm going to talk about how the fear of the Lord looks a lot like a butcher knife. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk about how our way to grow in the fear of the Lord is to continue to get to know God through the reading of His Word. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 85 of Tangible Takeaways. We're back. We're back. Uh, it's been a few moons. Unexpected hiatus, but we're back. <laughs> we're back, and we're in a brand new series. Yes. More Than a Cookie, uh, Proverbs Over the Summer, uh, which is a fun one because we'll be kind of uh, able to have almost these, you know, Proverbs has got a bunch of one-liners, and we'll kind of have a bunch of one-offs in the series, and I think that'll go well for the summer. So I'm excited yeah. for that. Uh, we talked this weekend about the fear of the Lord. Um, let's just start with when we're talking about Proverbs, why is the fear of the Lord kind of that first message that we got to have? You got to bring up the fear of the Lord when you're talking about Proverbs. Why is it so interconnected? Yeah. Well, part of it is the fun part is on the one hand, it seems so appropriate. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Yeah. So I love that. It's like, well, start at the beginning. And, and when Proverbs says, this is where wisdom begins, and that's when we think of Proverbs, that's a whole kind of ethos of the book. This is what wisdom looks like. This is the encouragement to go get it. Yeah. Um, then start there. So number one, it's like, well, this is pretty basic to what the actual book says. So I love that. I think it comes back to, for me, it was really good to do some study on that. I had a, a stack of probably seven books on my desk that probably translated to about three feet. Uh, I saw different. it. It was, it was a lot of books. <laughs> Just kind of going, I want to get a really robust biblical perspective of the fear of the Lord and make mm. sure we're you know, talking about it biblically correct in that. And so it was a good study to do and be reminded of. And I think Solomon's whole point is, number one, the wisdom that Proverbs is talking about is the wisdom of God, meaning even James talks about there's a worldly wisdom, mm. and it's actually very factious. It creates division, not unity. But then there's a godly wisdom that is actually humble, mm. you know. And so I think out of the gate, Solomon's helping us understand the quote the brand of wisdom. Not there is only one, but others would want to kind of say, well, this is wise according to Acts. We've got other things that populate our mind when we think of wisdom yes. that aren't the same. Solomon's like, no, wisdom comes from the Lord. Mm. So therefore, <clears throat> if wisdom comes from him, then it begins with a proper and right posture towards him. Mm. So in some ways you could say the fear of the Lord is really just an awareness of his holiness and awareness of our lack thereof, mm. you know? And so as a result, it's wild that I have entrance to approach God, that whole drawing near, yeah. but yet rightly so because of who he is, I need to shrink back. Yeah. And so, and, and again, we were just talking off camera about tension. I love that. I love the tension within even that definition that not only that commentary that I saw, but most every time you see like a narrative where even this says the fear of the Lord, it is that tension of almost like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> part of me I'm wants stuck. to run away. The other part is drawn towards. So it, it's good. It's like this side of heaven where there won't be a tension of that at all. It's the appropriate response on earth. Yeah, it's a healthy discomfort mm -hmm. almost. Did you feel like in your study for talking about the fear of the Lord, 
did anybody did anything like stick out to you as like new or different or did you feel like a lot of it was like oh yeah for sure that's kind of what I thought it was or did something kind of pop off the page to you that was unique? yeah I think um, maybe more not so much through commentary or whatnot but the references that reference from Isaiah 11 all about Messiah it's so thick but then he will delight in the fear of the Lord and that got my brain going why would a third member of the Trinity delight mm. in the fear of the Lord? He's on perfect par of authority and value and worth with the Father and the Spirit. So that was really interesting to try to process and go, how does that even make sense? And then to realize primarily, I don't think only, that was a lot of his, he's the, he's the model. Mm. He, he, Hebrews chapter 2, he calls them brothers. So he takes on flesh to show us what the right fleshly response to God is about. So that delighting in the fear of the Lord, and even that phrase, delight in the tension, yeah. is wild to think about. But I think what caught me most was that Acts 9.31 uh, verse about how the church grew, not because it was aware of the fear of the Lord, it was mm. living in the fear of mm. the Lord. And then this another wild tension and was comforted by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So again, these two things that look exclusive, they don't go together, yeah. but they're saying that was the, the secret sauce, as it were, in that season of the church's growth that now has moved out of Jerusalem. It's in Judea, Samaria. It's beginning to, to fan out, but that was the overriding definer hmm. of, the, of the early church at that season. And I thought those are beautiful things to go, God, help High Desert Church be a church who lives in the fear of the Lord as we're encouraged and comforted by the indwelling spirit of God. I go, mm. what a great one to punch, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. It's almost like if we will be willing to enter into that tension, that he'll be then faithful to meet us there. And, you know, you've got those other great lines, quiet us and comfort us by his love and his yeah. tenderness and compassion with us. But it's like, the, the tone that we take, I think this side of Jesus with God can be so flippant and so casual that I think a lot of people wonder, why am I not connecting with him more deeply? And it's like, well, maybe if you start here, you can get to the comfortable stuff, but approaching him always starts here. Yeah. And then as he comforts you, it kind of, that, tension dissipates a little bit for a second. It's almost like you get brought into that heavenly moment where it's like, I'm just with my dad. Yeah. And that's so comfortable and so nice, but it doesn't start it doesn't with, start there. it doesn't start with, what's up dad? You know, like it's not totally. there. It starts with this fearful posture um, filled with tension. And I think if we're faithful to do that, we're recognizing who he is and who we are yeah. in contrast. And that's the best place to start every time. And like you said, it actually is normative for people to begin with this overwhelming sense of even dread as they're even coming to Christ. I had a great conversation with a young man here at HTC last week, two and a half hours, and he was sharing with me that one of the, the parts of him coming to Christ and even dealing with some sin issues in his life was... I, I've got to figure out how to get this right because I don't want to be punished by God mm. and and had this real sense of and it was it wasn't like he'd lose his, lose his salvation but it's like God's gonna judge me 
and there are consequences for sinful behavior. And I thought, bro, this is so good. Mm. And it's fresh. He's been a believer for four months. So yeah. it's all just in this very fresh space. And I, and I was like, and I'm not doing anything to inhibit that. Mm. That's appropriate. Yeah. <clears throat> and like you said, over time, he will grow more and more into that approaching, that delight yeah. in God. But at first it begins with, I read the, he's reading the Bible like, super hungry, just all after it. And as he is, and he's even in the New Testament reading the Gospels, and he's getting that perspective from the Gospels. That's not even Old Testament stuff. Yeah. It's in the person of Christ, like, in the teaching bro, don't of go Christ. there yet. It's going to yeah. freak you out. Like, let's just start here. <laughs> <clears throat> but I really loved his posture and his attitude. Yeah. And it was very much, very much the outflow of a right fear of the Lord. Mm. It just was powerful, like the week before I was preaching that text. I had this great conversation with a, a new believer and going, that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is one of those things that I think sounds uncomfortable to us at first. Like, well, why, if he loves me so much and if yeah. we're supposed to have this close relationship, like none of us really have a close relationship with somebody that we fear. I think even if you go back to the dad imagery, if you were super afraid of your dad, you probably didn't feel super close to your dad. Yeah. And so we don't, have a box really for that in another space True. and I think it's challenging for us to see how fear can actually lead to a closer proximity and a, a deeper relationship um, and you said this weekend that Proverbs is really just kind of one piece of the puzzle you've got these kind of three wisdom books that play together with Ecclesiastes and Job and Proverbs, all very different books written in very different ways. But it's almost as if this concept of the fear of the Lord sits in tension amongst them. So how would you kind of break down the, you know, we talked a little bit about the Proverbs contribution. What are some of the, how does the fear of the Lord get rounded out maybe between yeah. the three? Yeah, it was powerful to stop and think about that. I love the Bible project just the snippet that we showed. It did such a good job explaining that, that so well. <clears throat> and I think about the book of Job, where you have a guy who the text says was the most upright guy on the planet. He feared the Lord. Mm -hmm. he, and, and example after example of the way he even sacrificed for his children for fear that they had sinned against God and wouldn't even know to think of that or would let that, left that undone. So I mean, this guy has this high view of shrinking back and drawing close at the same time, and yet he's deeply afflicted, allowed by God. Mm. And, and that goes back, that's what I loved about the, the video. He's a guy who lived in the fear of the Lord more than anyone else in his moment, and yet that didn't keep him from problems and challenges, mm. which Proverbs will say, and the fear of the Lord is a blessing in your life. Yeah. And that's the beauty of reading all three at once. I feel like the book of Ecclesiastes is fascinating because you have this guy who, my best understanding is wrote most of the Proverbs as well, but now is writing at another season in life where he has realized the tension of real life complexities not to say that the Proverbs don't generally go that way, but now is realizing I have lived for myself and I've tried everything mm. and there's nothing that fits this vacuum in my heart. And if I allow myself just to go down that road, everything's meaningless. Yeah. There's no point. It all falls apart. And then later in the book comes back to this realization of 
No, but it is, and actually even says, it is right to live in this fear of the Lord and even encourages young people to pay attention to that now and not live a wasted life. Yeah, don't waste your life chasing all that other stuff. Yeah. They almost feel to me like um, <clears throat> the different, the three different books, they feel like um, three different like styles or genres of movies almost mm. in some ways. Mm. Like Proverbs feels like a blockbuster, right? It's got clear good guys, clear bad guys, happy endings, like that's, that's a blockbuster. And it's, if you fear the Lord, everything goes well for you. And then you've got Job, which is kind of like a, a drama almost, where just everything goes wrong, um, but it ultimately works out in the end because this character kind of maintains their integrity throughout it. So it's like fear the Lord no matter what, almost in this kind of drama category. And then Ecclesiastes is almost like an indie movie in some ways, I feel like, you know, kind of one of those like weird movies that's questioning everything and is like, does any of it actually matter? You know, like kind of mm -hmm. one of those like way too zoomed out movies a little yeah. bit. And it's, uh, and, and really I feel like it comes down to the conclusion though that like the, the tension and the, the failings of being human is like so part of the journey and what makes life worth living. Mm. And so it's right to fear the Lord, to understand the contrast between me and God. And that's good, that's helpful, and it's the most human experience that there is, this gap between me and Him. Yeah. So I do think as we go through Proverbs, it'll be a great glimpse into so many aspects of the fear of the Lord. But it will be that important reminder throughout that these aren't promises. This is like, this is like the Star Wars version of the fear of the Lord. There's the Jedi and the Sith, and there's no in between. And then it's like, eh, there's some, you know, nuances as we build it out as we yeah. go. And what would you say for somebody kind of walking away with this of like, man, I've never really thought about the fear of the Lord, or I feel almost convicted that I need to like live with this um, better but it almost just kind of feels too out there or too kind of hyper-spiritual of a concept. What are some like daily practices or some kind of practical, like bringing the fear of the Lord home? What does that look like in yeah. somebody's life? Oh, that's great. <clears throat> I loved, you know, one of the places we looked was in the Psalms and that song of ascent. And, um, and I love, and I think appropriately so, again, with that, probability, not promised concept, that there is a blessed life in walking in the fear of the Lord. That doesn't mean there's no problems. It doesn't mean everything, you know, buy the lotto ticket, instant winner, none of that. But it does mean that I'm seeing God correctly and then living appropriately mm -hmm. in response to that. So some of the daily things I think keep coming back to the way I'm going to keep seeing God appropriately is not just what I heard on the weekend, it's what I'm doing during the week. Mm. So am I in God's Word in some kind of Bible reading plan, some consistent way to get to know Him? He's revealed Himself to us, and um, we're so privileged to have the revealed Word of God. And there will be times as we're reading that things don't all make sense or it's unclear, and that's the beautiful thing. We have resources like pastoral staff at High Desert Church that, hey, I'm reading this and can't figure it out. That actually was the impetus of this conversation mm -hmm. with my new friend was I'm, I'm reading my Bible and trying to figure some stuff out. I'm like, oh, yes, let's, let's do this. Let's do it. So, so good. But I think w w when we have the privilege of getting to know God, 
but then choose not to, and then say, I want to grow in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, is the beginning of wisdom. So meaning, as I get to know rightly so who God is and who I am, my knowledge and wisdom increase. Mm -hmm. I'll know how to live this life better because I have a better understanding of who he is and in turn a better understanding of who I am. Yeah. So I think just Bible content, Bible consumption, if I could use that word, of just getting into God's word and doing that daily, that my rhythm, apart from what I hear on the weekend, is I'm growing in my understanding of what God has revealed so clearly to me. Yeah, I feel like um, one of the places that I see kind of the the concept or the outworking of the idea of the fear of the Lord. It's like when you're unloading the dishwasher and you get to the butcher knife in the dishwasher, there is a, you don't stack that with a bunch of cups and a bunch of plates and like try to kind of squeeze it between two fingers and, you know, walk it over like you do with all of the other dishes. Sure. The butter knife is the, fine. Yeah, the butter knife is fine. You can stick those between every <laughs> finger. But with the butcher knife, you tend to take that, maybe something in the other hand, but that gets its own hand. Sure. And it's one of the only dishes in the dishwasher that does because there's a prioritization to getting it to its rightful spot and you know the harm that it could do to you or the people that you love around you if it's mistreated or misplaced or mishandled. And so I think that that way that we are prioritizing, taking care of it, making sure that it's going in the places that it needs to go, and there's just a, there's a priority there when we're unloading the dishwasher. I feel like the same is true with the fear of the Lord. Like that makes it hit so much closer to home for me of like, man, do I prioritize time with him, being in his word? I think way too many of us, we think that we read scripture so that God won't be mad at us. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like Jesus already figured that out for you. If you put your faith in him, God's not mad at you. So check, you've got that box checked for you. And if that's why you're reading scripture, then you're just wasting your time because he's already not mad at you. I read scripture because I, I need him. Like I need to connect with him. I need to know him better. I need to be convicted of my error and my sin. And it's like a, a desperation is what leads me to scripture. And that's why I come back to it day over day. It's not so that I can make him happy with me every day and kind of get the good karma of God on my side. And I just think way too many of us treat reading scripture that way when it's like, no, I, I want to prioritize my time with God, spending time in prayer, spending time um, in silence and kind of allowing that like weird, like I hope that he shows up and maybe I hear something and like I don't always, but I'm going to keep carving out that time because it's the butcher knife. He's that important. And I, he, he gets things all to himself with me. He, he's not just kind of cluttered in and like way too many of us spend our time the limited time that we give to scripture or to prayer or whatever. It's like we've got all those dishes and we're just trying to squeeze the butcher knife in and it's like that's a dangerous game that yeah. we're playing. And so to me it's like man how can I prioritize him? Because again I think if you don't feel like you're connecting well with God or you're connecting with him at all or deeply it's probably because you're not approaching him correctly. There's just some, there's some ground rules to the relationship that he just doesn't budge. Doesn't matter how much he loves you. He's just, there's ground rules that you have to understand who he is versus who you are if you're going to approach him. Yeah. And, and like you said, approaching him on his terms, yeah. right? We've confused 
a lot of things and try to make God so accessible. And there's a part of who he is, you know, yep. he's imminent, but that transcendence is also true. And so, and, and the other part about the practicality, you know, I've thought about for years, I'm very grateful growing up in a church environment. I'm, I'm a lifer in that regard. And I don't look back on that with displeasure in any way. There's so many benefits. But one of those things was, I think early on, and this is no credit to me, it's credit to the environment. And I'll often say, <coughs> excuse me, I wish my church experience would have been different this way or that way or this way. That's true. But one thing that happened well, I had an understanding from the time I was a child that God is the one who has ordered things. And mine is to get into his mm. plan, not to tell God how it should be. Mm. Now, there's times in my life I've been frustrated, hurt, and it's deeply disappointed and gone, God, you, I think you missed. What are we doing here? But generally keep coming back to, but that's his job. It's his universe. And he's ordered it his way. Mine is to lean into that and live according to it not going, well, God, if you just get it all right on my terms. Yeah. And over time we begin to understand, oh man, I sure hope God doesn't do it my way because I'm so limited in my perspective yeah. and I get it wrong. But the point is to start with a view that God is large and in charge mm -hmm. and that's his rightful place. And then to understand I'm not, and I want to see, I want to, I want to move into and get aligned with his order of things. It just seems like so many people start reverse and God's kind of in the, the witness stand mm. and I'm kind of talking or accusing him of things. Why isn't he getting it? And we're like, I want him to get it. And it's such a flawed way of seeing the world, which again goes back to, I know those things from scripture, not because I just sat and thought about them one day. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's another thing. And even so the practical part of, are we raising our kids? with that sense of the inherent authority that God has yeah. over his world, over his church, over the family, over my life, over my preferences, you know. And, and ultimately, I, back to even your beginning point, that is the um, wisdom, God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom, that is God's wisdom. It's to understand that there is a way that he's created things. And if I live according to it, things are good. In general, things go well when you live according to the way that he's designed things. And it's like, that makes so much sense. And wisdom is just applying, oh, I know how he's designed things. Let me go live in accordance with it yeah. now and put those things together. So yeah, I think there's lots of practical things on the table. A, a last fortune cookie, repentance, I think is a great opportunity to start winding up the fear of the Lord in our relationship with God instead of running away in guilt and shame but to come back with that I think about when I think about fear of the Lord I think about you know Isaiah's encounter before God that woe is me yeah. reality to be able to sit with our sin and say like I, I'm pitiful before you like I've got nothing I've got I've got no other card to play other than Jesus that's it that's all I can cry like woe is me I, I'm unclean that's my problem and then I think what's so cool though is if we begin repenting with that fear of the Lord, woe is me, always ends up leading to send me, right? Like you, yeah. it builds there, but because it starts in the right place. Yeah. And I think we, repentance is underrated as a spiritual practice for us. Too many people are just kind of running away from God instead of coming back to him and saying like, 
I screwed up yeah. and I, woe is me. I got nothing. And there's no need to repent either A, to a God who's your buddy, yeah. right? There's, well, we just had a bad day. <clears throat> but secondly, there's no need to repent if God isn't that holy God mm. who I can't be in his presence apart from the salvation, those shed blood of Jesus, my high priest who died once for all. So it's like, again, that's a great point that repentance is the natural response, but yet if we don't have that view of who God is, that biblically high view, very appropriate to scripture, then we're going to not see the value of repentance because it's like, well, I just had a bad day and he gets that right. Like, yeah. We're good. It's like, well, you're going to think salvation is him winking at you and like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's what we would hope a parent would do when in a sense, a parent who's wanting to help us grow will, doesn't mean they can't forgive but will also walk us through, but this is where you fail. There's accountability. And yeah, and there, and there are people you need to ask forgiveness of, you need to ask forgiveness of me, and we can set it right, but it's not just a pass through yeah. and like, I didn't get in trouble, yeah. you know, and that was the win. It's like, that's ultimately not good parenting. Yeah. And so our heavenly father, all the more, that's not the goal is I didn't get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I think so many great places for us to start with this concept and places for all of us to continue to be growing and improving. So I hope it's been encouraging conversation for you and helpful in thinking about some practical ways to live out the fear of the Lord. Let us know if you've got any questions about uh, the topic or a way that you're planning on living this out more in your life going forward. Uh, but as always, don't forget to like the video, share it with a friend and uh, leave a comment, subscribe so you get future videos. Thanks for taking the time today. You got it. Appreciate Love being it. With you. All right. That's all we got for this week. We'll catch you guys next week on Tangible Takeaways.